Well, everyone, welcome back to a special edition of A Musician and a Filmmaker. And the reason it's special is because we're not talking about a movie this month. We're just talking about an album. It's the album that you already heard us talk about, except this time it'll just be Jordan and I talking to each other and not to the people who made the album, or at least half of them. So here we are. Here we are. We're here to talk about Isn't It Now? Question mark. It's it's a question. It's it's not a declarative statement. It's not a, it's an interrogative is what it is. I believe it's pronounced isn't it now? Isn't it now? Isn't it? That's that's how you're supposed to say it, I think. Yeah, it's weird that when I interviewed geologist he didn't pronounce it like that. So maybe he was just in a more <laughs> casual mood. <laughs> maybe he's not aware of the question mark. So Jordan, you haven't gotten your vinyl yet of this album. We were just talking about that. Yeah, so this is like a, a mega bummer about living in Canada and maybe anywhere else outside of like the States and the UK because when Domino ships stuff, it normally shows up a little later than I want it to. That being said, I did get that Defeat white label copy like the same day that you did and everybody else that got one did. True. So what's, you know... I want that kind of proficiency with the with the mailing system from Domino, like on a consistent basis, but it doesn't seem to happen. So I still don't have the vinyl copy. I mean, I've listened to the record. I got well, not the actual record, but the, the album. And I've listened, you know, to, to the digital MP3 downloads that Domino so gracefully gave me the day before even the album released. So um, I am familiar with this album but i haven't been able to hold it physically in my hands see the liner notes see the lyric sheet see whatever whatever magic awaits on the inside of the gatefold that i'm not privy to yet which uh you know greg maybe you can uh enlighten me on is it cool is it cool oh you want to see it i'm gonna i'm gonna show you over the webcam i got it right here oh my god okay oh oh there it is oh man that is that's cool for those that are listening i'm just looking at it now yeah, he's I'm got the autographs, autograph copy. There's is it geologists. me or does the title on the face kind of look like a mustache? Uh, yeah, it's got that little curl, a little low. It's kind of one of those like um, like a villain kind of. Uh, yeah, you know, isn't it now when he curls the the corner of his mustache? Yeah, it's like, a, it's like it? a combination between like Gomez from uh, Adam's family. Yeah, and a wizard. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I I had a uh, Brian geologist signed the. The wizard hat so if i ever get a signature from the other three i guess i'll have to get more creative it's a it's a pretty cover i i don't dislike it i know some people were kind of disappointed by it and wish they had done it more like the defeat cover but then again i know you said you weren't a fan <laughs> of the defeat cover really at all so well to each their yeah, own yeah you know i mean it's it's been growing on me you know but yeah i, I you know actually speaking of the cover of this album i actually had a little bit of a, a realization the other day and I don't know how much of this maybe holds true to the band and, and maybe what, you know, like the rationale behind making this album cover. But do you remember seeing the uh, Drop of Sun video came out like two years ago of like there's like that overhead video of them playing um, magicians. Yes. And then uh, I was I was the one that ripped that and put it on. Yes. YouTube. Yes. So you do know it. Don't you think the carpet pat- patterns look a little like the album cover? Yes, and I was actually going to ask Brian that during the interview, but it never came up. Or actually, no, I think it was if I had a chance to interview Avi, I would have asked it. Right. But then I was 
watching just some like behind the scenes footage that Russell, the producer, had posted on his Instagram. And I noticed that same sort of carpet and I was like, wait a second. <laughs> so I think it's very possible. And I think it's it's an interesting way to visually tie it to the time skiffs collage because mm. they're both collages. Yeah. But this one's a lot more, uh, it seems a lot more just focused on like patterns of um, like fabric and stuff as as opposed to the sort of miscellaneous vibe that time skiffs had with like blotter paper and wallpaper and fabric and a whole bunch of random stuff just thrown together and photographed. Yeah, time skips is like, yeah, there's so much to kind of dissect and, and look at in the time skips one in terms of, yeah, the little imagery and stuff. So it's almost like a, like a, like a ransom note. A little but, bit. But in a good way. But not very well communicated because it's just asking a generic. It's like that postcard I got in the mail. Right. That... For some reason, the postage on it wasn't covered for it. So I had to go all the way to the post office to pick up a 65 cent postcard that just said, isn't it now? And it had my address on the back. <laughs> uh, thankfully, did you call the authorities? They paid the postage for a defeat. No, I was just like, wow, that was uh, not worth it. But thank you anyway, Domino. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'll always appreciate the free stuff. It's cool. I, I, I probably frame it if I got one. No, but um, I, I do like that. It, it seems like so specific the the patterns but then you realize that literally they sell all of these at joanne's fabrics and so that's probably where dave got it and then made it into this cover so people are like making custom jackets and other costumes based off of what they can sew together based off of these little fabrics that are easy to get a hold of so yeah like the um the album cover is uh is really cool because it's it is kind of like um it does tie into the the collage of time skiffs and does kind of like solidify that that idea of it being like a counterpart to time skiffs, but it's also it, I love the the color scheme, right? Because it's like time skiffs got this kind of like white color scheme with like the the darkness kind of like brown and green and beige. Yeah, and it's kind of all it's over like the place. it does kind of feel like a newspaper a little bit, and it's like it's got like more light to it, I think. And I, and I don't know, I do feel like this album's like a little darker, you know? Like it isn't it now? It does feel like a darker album, and it's got the the like kind of fall color scheme going on so i think that was probably intentional for its release at this time yeah, of the year it's warm and timber as and like aesthetic like color palette mm -hmm. so we're just gonna spend the whole hour talking about the cover right we're not actually gonna talk about the songs oh i haven't heard any of the songs oh okay cool so i'm just making sure we're on the same page i haven't either <laughs> okay let's no, jump right uh, into it we get carried let's, away let's, let's jump yeah. right into it okay so soul soul, soul capture, capture. Soul capture. What, what is uh, what was the the likeness? It's uh, it's a weird cousin that shows up for Thanksgiving uh, every every now and again, and you're not really sure what to think of this guy. But there he is, and you're like, all right, cool. And then he, he leaves, but then you see him again a few years later. And you're like, oh, that guy's kind of weird, right? And that's what soul capture is. Yeah, I guess it's like a cousin you didn't know 
it, yeah, like you said, didn't know existed for a while, and then now they're just around more often. Yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting that this was like this almost felt like it was going to be like a non-album track when they first debuted it before yeah. we knew that they recorded it for the album. I think, and because they said they wrote it during COVID, yes. so it was after that initial batch of songs. And so I think it was we had like a, some sort of correspondence with the members of the band in the DM. Someone messaged him was like, "Hey, what's going to be on the album?" And they said basically everything we've been playing live, and then one more song we haven't played, which was "All the Clubs Are Broken." But we'll get to it, obviously. Soul Capture, yeah, I think just because it was hard to sort of pinpoint where it would go on the track list that I didn't think it would be on the album. But I definitely didn't expect it to be the opening track of the album. Nobody did. In any capacity. No, nobody no. did. I still Especially not I'm a, still not sure it should be. <laughs> but I like it and I welcome it and I love it. I don't dislike the song. It's a fantastic song. I, I like I think it, what's really cool about that song is that I've I don't know. I feel like I've been there through all the steps of it's, you know, like it, like watching the building blocks come together. Cause I, well, you, you were there, Greg, at the Pitchfork Music Festival, saw them play. Yes. We were both at the same festival, but I, I probably said this before. I did not know that you were there until I had already started walking back to the hotel and left the, the grounds of the festival. And you're like, hey, are you here right now? Yeah. And I was like, fuck, you're here. <laughs> you're like, yeah, I flew in this morning. And I was like, God damn it. I almost met Jordan. I Randall. know what a freaking missed opportunity that was, but but you were saying I think that it's kind of funny. They were all playing string instruments. Yeah, on they were stage. all playing string instruments on stage, and it was like, yeah, hearing this song, it was like, okay, this is like, it was such a well. I mean, it was a, it was an odd odd set list, right, for the Pitchfork Music Festival in general because it was a lot of like newer stuff. Time skips hadn't come out at that point, and it was like you could tell the audience was like very much still like you know about Merriweather and like. I mean, like in, in a bigger way, like there was obviously a lot of heads there that were like, yeah, we just came for Animal Collective. But yeah, like watching them play Soul Capture, it it was one of those songs where it was like, I kind of got the sense that it was like them f- still figuring out the song. Mm-hmm. But I knew instantly, like I knew that there was something really powerful behind that song. I was like, I don't know if it's like the melody or if it's like, just like all those strings just chugging along in the way that it does. But I, I was like, this song is going to be like killer when it comes out. Yeah, I, I think it definitely improved from live to the studio. Oh, 100%. Sure. Like because they knocked it out of the park. It was cool that they were all playing guitar at the same time, like three of them and then Geo's on the hurdy-gurdy. But I think the problem with doing that live is that it all just kind of became this one big blown out, like ugly sort of wall of guitars that I didn't really... <laughs> I, I like I liked the melody of the lyrics and the rest of the song, and I kind of like I, I think it's interesting that it was like the first time they used a drum machine that wasn't for Banshee beat, yeah, for like years and years, and then it transitioned to a kit on the album, but then when it got to the actual album, like they they sort of streamlined that guitar sound and all the elements worked together, so it sounds a lot better on the record, and I think that improved the overall experience of the song for me that it had a cleaner production and you know combined with the powerful main part of the song for sure yeah i think like definitely the fact that they went with the acoustic guitar edition as well really like kind of sealed the deal because i you know even even when we heard it back at the uh, pitchfork music festival like it did register to me as like some sort of like folk song and i think like having that acoustic guitar come back like come into it for the studio version it really like 
it really hammers in that it is like ultimately kind of this folk song where it's like it doesn't have a chorus like it's just it's just keeps on going and it's kind of it's kind of telling a story even though i think kind of lyrically it is a bit like it's hammering in the same point i mean it's giving examples of things that people get like overly attached to maybe for the wrong reasons and stuff like that and certain addictions whether or not they're you know tangible or or intangible and uh yeah i I don't know i love this song it's great i it's it's an oddball song but i love it you know i really love about soul capture greg is the uh the ending portion where Avi just starts going and like yeah yeah well we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the two different versions of this song that are now right permanently put together when you have a digital version of this album there's the edit version like the single version which we heard first when it was promoted as a single on streaming and it didn't have the intro to the song we were like "Ooh, what's this intro gonna be like Mm -hmm. you know i think we talked about that on a previous episode now we know and it's like just a bunch of studio chatter like all mashed together and it's just like this weird collage of like voices chattering and it's kind of hard to make out a distinct sentence and then i think that it just like it goes silent and then someone's like eh, 30 seconds that's long enough right and then the song starts <laughs> it's like a very meta beginning to the album yeah you know what it reminds me of it's you know like when you're, you're you're in between games on cod and you can hear everybody talking on their microphones right or it's like you just finish like a round and then everyone's ah, shit ah fuck and like it's it's, it's all just like a, a cluster of people different emotions and like people talking over each other so it kind of feels like that a little bit yeah i, I think my, i had my version of that in counter-strike back in the day <laughs> but the difference is is that it's really irritating in cod and in those games when you hear that like cluster of voices but it's actually somewhat soothing and uh I have, for some reason pl- pleasurable to hear this this intro of of all their voices well i think it's also the f- first time that there's been just their speaking voice on a record like maybe av with the that song off the mr raindrops right. EP. Bus, bus ride tear your face off or whatever it's called yeah when he's looking for an apartment but other than that i think this yeah this is the first time we've ever just heard genuine speaking voices from these guys that wasn't like a shout or something yeah, yeah. so i guess we get the one spoken word in defeat yep yep and that's a that's a undertone. That's a that's a underdub, <laughs> not an overdub. It's, it's an underdub because it's it's down in that mix. Okay, so the thing with this album is that praise for the underdub. Damn it, you got me. <laughs> you got the you got the final word. I had to. Sorry, you were saying. So the thing with this album is that the the songs are like five years old. They go back to the music box. Some of these they do, go even like further. Right from Baltimore. Sea of Light was uh, during the Sung Tongs reunion tour or whatever you call yes, it. Yes, but guess guess what, motherfucker? <laughs> uh, Music Box was March of 2018, and Sea of Light debuted in August of oh. 2018. And I know because I was there when it debuted in August of 2018. Oh, damn. Or no, it was July because it was Panda Bear's birthday. It was July oh, 22nd wow. or something like that. So yes, it was holy crap after okay. Music Box. Thank you very okay, much. Well, that was that's impressive. <laughs> that's you saw the debut of uh, of Chinese I did, Open because I just went to the first U.S. like because they did the Pitchfork one, and then they're like, "Oh hey, we're gonna do a tour of this, but we're gonna go to Europe first because that was like where they started blowing up back in the day. That was like where they started getting a big following was in the Europe scene, and then they came over to the U.S. and did 
a U.S. leg of the tour, and Atlanta was the first show of that leg. And so living an hour from Atlanta at the time, I just drove up and went to the this like big symphony hall where they played it. And yeah, they got to the, the encore. I can't remember if it was the last song in the set or like where it was in the encore. But as soon as they started playing it, I already knew what most of the set list was going to be. Yeah. But then when they started playing that, I was like, what is this? Is this a rework of something? <laughs> but no one, I don't think anyone figured out it was a new song until after the concert. That's wild. So That's so cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm very jealous that's of That's how it was in our brains for like three years until they debuted Genie's Open, which we should move on to yes. because that's track two. Genie's Open. trying to kind of get at with how old these songs are is that we've become so attached to the songs themselves but not knowing what album order they would end up in eventually you just start to generate your own order in your head like your idealized version of the track list because you just like the song so much and and your brain just puts it in its own order that makes sense to you musically and so of course animal collective did the thing where they just completely subverted that we talked about that before and so it's sort of all over the place. It's sort of like your album, Jordan, <laughs> where they just took all the songs and hit shuffle. And they're like, all right, that's good. But I, apparently not, because when I asked Geologist, he said that that was the order they wanted to go with. And vinyl sides be damned, they would figure out how to fit them all. But I don't know. It's interesting. It is interesting. I mean, I, I think the, the cool thing about this album, though, is that it, it, it can work in almost any configuration. Like, you know... For those listeners that aren't already part of the Discord or the Facebook group or Collected Animals that are listening to us, I don't know how you found our podcast, but like, you know, the um, yes, if if you don't know about all this other stuff, it, yeah, there there were like infinite predictions about the the track list, and all of them were very viable. Like, you know, I I'm sure I've seen. I I think you know, I, were were we the same in thinking that King's Walk was going to be the opener? Or? Yes. Yes. I th- I think back in like 2019 when they started debuting all this stuff, my brain would think, okay, it's going to go King's Walk and then Cherokee and then right. 24, which became Car Keys. And like even back then we, we had our own. So Time Skips was sort of a version of that where you expect like Defeat to be the closer and all this stuff. But then when you split up the batch of songs that it doesn't exactly turn out the way you think. Some people did suggest that Genie's Open would be a good opener. I mean, like, you know, without the actual literal name of it being taken into consideration but i could see it too and that i can kind of see but that makes it even weirder that it's a second song (laughs) it's weird to have something as like i don't want to say generic but as far as song structure like it's not like this big progressive ambitious thing it's like a very straightforward sort of loop song and so to go from that to this which has like three or four different sections in it it's uh it's a bit of a strange jump but again, that's Animal yep. Collective for you. That's uh, Animal Collective for you. And I think that maybe, you know, like we, we talked about this a little bit off the cast, that um, there are some familiar arpeggios in this one, right? Yes. 
so maybe that prevented them from putting it on track one. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, they didn't want to have immediate flashbacks to In the Flowers. But I also want to point yeah. out that that could have been a cool transition from Time Skiffs too, isn't it now? Because of the way that Royal and Desire basically ends in the same arpeggio There's as kind In of the Flowers. In, yeah, interpolation. Like that yeah. F major chord. So I should go ahead and just say that I be, I think it's because I was so attached to Sea of Light that when it came to the new version and they had this like, it's sort of like how Prester John was basically just like the second half for a long time. But then they added mm-hmm. that first half and made it this like bigger sort of six minute thing. So Genie's Open had a sort of similar thing where they had the second half was like, oh, actually, I'd say it's like a thirds thing. There's like the first section. The second section is yeah, where Sea of Light three. starts yeah. and then like the, the part where it picks up. It's basically still Sea of Light, but just more a beat. So Genie's yes. Open is like A, B, and C, but Sea of Light was just B and C. I yes. don't think that the A section is musically necessary, but again, maybe that is Demoitis at, at its work, but I <laughs> I don't know. I am a fan of this band, and I love a, lo- a lot of the stuff that they do, but I, I think part of being experimental is that not everything you do is going to stick, even with the, the you know your dedicated fans. So I think the first section of Genie's Open doesn't really do it for me, just because it's, it's like... If you already know where it's going, it, it is does feel a little belaboring to sort of get through that first section, especially because it is so musically sort of simple. And I think that it's obvious that they tried to add a lot more to it texturally, like with the bassoon and all this other mm-hmm. like little stuff in the mix, like all the different little synth flutters or what have you that they want to throw in there. I think it all is just sort of like table dressing. I don't know. Is that the right word? I, I guess it... I, hmm. I don't know how I mean, to articulate it, but you get what yeah. I'm trying to say, right? Where I totally do. Yeah, there's different like little like little yeah maybe table dressings, I guess uh, that they that they put on it to kind of I don't know give it a little more oomph, I guess, in the in the studio version. But to be honest, I mean like I've actually been having the opposite reaction. Like the more I've been listening to Genie's Open, I'm so familiar with like that B and C section that the A section has been really growing on me and I think it's um it's got some it's, it's got some very weird stuff and I think that like you know Animal Collective of course are a band that like to challenge the listener and I think that when you've got such a like sweet saccharine ending that that back and forth with the sea of light stuff and like it's just it's just like such like pop at the end Getting through the mud, <laughs> so to speak, of the beginning is so much more rewarding to hit the end. But I've I've found like some of those chord changes that you know I watched like the I forget what um, radio station they did the live um, the live performance for with like the Silver Jews cover is that in NPR the middle. Tiny Desk. Um, I don't know if it was the Tiny Desk because I was wasn't that the one with um, King's Walk? I think they did both. I think they did I both of those and like Dragon Slayer and one it, other. I swear they Dragon did. Slayer I swear because I'm, I have like a vivid memory <laughs> of AV 
in front of that backdrop with the silver Jews in the title of the video. Like, they specifically cut that segment out and made it its own upload. I don't know, Greg. I uh, I think it was a different. I think it was a different uh, show. But um, I don't know. I'm it's not like we could just go on the sure. internet and check that out right now. That's cheating. We have to I'm, leave I'm it nine, ambiguous 90, and never get an answer. I'm 91 percent sure, Greg. Damn, and I've got more certainty than you do. Shit. Anywho, let's just move past that. The uh, that intro portion, like section A, uh, as we'll call it, that one didn't resonate with me as much hearing the boots hearing that version as it has over the past few days since this album's come out the I, we talked about this a little bit i think on the on the last last month's cast that we did um you know hear the leaked version of this album before it came out a month before but i exercised a little bit of willpower i told myself you know because i did pre-order the uh, the album i was like it's okay for me to listen to this because i did pay for it i'm not i'm not just full-on freebirding this thing but also, when I did listen to it, I said, I'm only going to listen to this thing one time, and then I'm not going to listen to it again until the album actually comes out. But when I did listen to it that one time, I listened to it with the visuals of my wife playing Legend of Zelda, you know, t- uh, Tears of uh, the Kingdom. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. I tell we, you. Yeah, we did talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Genie's Open works so well. It's got this, like, like that, like the cover of this album with that perceived wizard at the front like that is that is what genie's open gives me visually it's like this is this like mystical like kind of medieval fantasy thing like the music just conjures that kind of imagery and i i any listeners out there that are you know into zelda or whatever like play tears of the kingdom listen to genie's open tell me i'm wrong that should be the music video which they would never get the rights to no they couldn't even get the rights to the open your eyes bit from open your eyes. Ocarina of Time or whatever. So so if they got Panda's daughter to recreate that, then maybe they just need to recreate their own video game that looks an awful lot like Tears of the Kingdom. And then they can use that as the music video. They kind of did that with Minecraft and the Living in the After video. That's so true. It's not that far removed. Get, get those guys to do it. Although I don't remember what video game that actually was where they added all those crazy like textures and skins and all that. But I don't think it was, was it actually Minecraft. I think it was like something very similar, but not because it like you notice a lot of the shapes weren't like cubed, like base. Right. So Um Wow. Should, uh, we, just, should we move sorry, on? Sorry, yeah, to... just running out of brain cells here. I've been editing <laughs> a lot recently, so <laughs> Greg has just made a uh, two and a half hour long documentary and supplemental bonus features. A lot, a lot of uh, brain power being yes. exerted there. I had to by, uh, actually Mr. stop Mr. myself from editing my interview with Brian just so that we could record this because I was like, "Oh, that's fifteen till." Whoops, I could have kept doing this for hours, <laughs> but we're gonna power through. Okay, so we got this again because we have our own custom track list. Sort of what I was trying to say was that. I think I've just gotten so used to my own custom order that I just keep forgetting what the actual order of the track list is. So correct me if I'm wrong. Is track three <laughs> Broke Zodiac? It is. I, I often wonder that too. Because in my head it was Magicians, but it is Broke Zodiac. Right.
which is a strange placement, mainly because in my head, it makes sense for a song that's written in C major, that ends in C major, and a song like Defeat, where it's this big grand sweeping thing that starts in C major, you know, maybe you put those two back to back and musically it would people would go, whoa, you know? It's like when, when George Lucas was making Star Wars, right? He wanted to make sure that the opening theme song was in the same key as the 20th Century Fox logo so that it would all seem like it was supposed to be like that from the start. So I'm just saying that Rogue Zodiac should have gone before defeat and that they should have been the last two tracks on the album. But alas, it's track three, and it's one of my most anticipated songs from the album, and I am so happy with the way it turned out because it sounds great. It is slightly slower than the debut, and apparently... I think, yeah, people heard it in the geologist interview, but he said that when they recorded Broke Zodiac and Gemini for time skips, they were the faster versions. So it was specifically when they, they got around to the Isn't It Now like sessions or what have you that they slowed them down a bit. Maybe it's to sort of match the slower tempos of the rest of the album. And then you've got All oh, the Clubs Are Broken, which is like an outlier to all this. So, But anyway, this song's great. It's funny that they... They did faster versions of, or like, you know, more true to the tempo of the live versions of uh, Broke Zodiac and Gemini, but then went so slow with uh, car keys as, po- as opposed to the uh, the live version. You're talking about the original version of car keys? Because I feel like... Well, car keys, like, it, it's... the Like 2019 car keys? There's, there's a few renditions, like early 24... Um, I feel like it's uh, it's faster in the verse, but very slow in the chorus. Yeah, and they're and pretty much like, the same tempo on the final. Yeah, version. they're the same tempo because I guess they recorded it with the click, right? But um, yeah, Gemini is as our sorry broke Zodiac as a um, we're going to confuse the two because they're the only two songs that are purely <laughs> written by Panda Bear on the album. So yeah, and they're kind of they're kind of similar. Yeah, but like, and a lot of people thought they should be like a A B single kind of like yeah seven inch thing, but they're not. Anyway, they're not, but I agree with you, Greg, like the, the way that Broke Zodiac came out was fantastic. I've pointed out my preference, my love, you might even say for that glitchy stuttery thing that was in one of the, uh, the blast, one of the broadcasts. It was the blast radio. Yeah. Yeah. I was hoping, praying even that, uh, that would appear on the studio version, but it didn't. And it's okay. I can live with that. Maybe not explicitly, but there is like a bit of a, like sort of <laughs> like synth. Yeah. Yeah. yeah a little uh, bit. It, it's kind of doing, it's kind of doing, uh, what they did with Cherokee a little bit, you know, yeah. it's like you wanted that high pitched auto tune bit and then like, it actually is there, but it's like really buried deep down, you know, you got to like tamper with your like aux cable. Like you got to cut certain aspects of it out and then you'll hear it or something. Right. Like an EQ. But, um, I love I love the song. It's it's very straightforward, and the chorus is like so just like I don't know. It feels like it's from another era. It feels like it's like it feels like I've heard it before. You know. Well, maybe it and is like just because we've had stuff. so many years to soak it in. You know. <laughs> it's from the other era that was like five years ago when we first right. heard that song. The because it was like a, a much more like staccato sort of like Christmassy. Like back in the call and response between the bass line and the uh, mm-hmm. the melody, because back then it was just bum 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 bum. But then in the studio version, it's like bum 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 bum. So they they tried to fill it out more and and make it a little less like 
minimal with the call and response, which I, I think right. at first I was like, eh, but then I got sort of used to it over time. I, I honestly, like, I think out of all of the songs that went through the different phases, I think Broke Zodiac came out the least, like, it, it came out to where I didn't mind it the most. Maybe it is just because I love the song so much, but I think the differences weren't intrusive enough to where it diminished any of the song for me. Even the slower tempo is like, I think I timed it out. It's like maybe two beats per minute different. So it's very slight, but at the same time, it's Mm -hmm. noticeable enough at first when you're used to the faster version. I think maybe it's the opposite effect for people that are used to like, I think like when something is slower and then it's sped up a bit, I think people notice Mm -hmm. it less than the opposite. I don't know. Yeah, probably. I just think that this is one of those like earworm songs where like, when the bass line kicks in, it's like one of those things where I'll just be walking around and out of nowhere, I'll just go boom, boom, and I'll just do the whole song out loud to myself because it is just that catchy yeah. and that like direct. I really love the beat. It's, it's you know, maybe not like overly new territory for a drum beat, but it's just, it's so perfect for, for what it is. Like, it's like those rim shots. It's. I mean, I, I think Panda's drumming on on the on time skips and and isn't it now? This whole era has been like. You ever watch like um like Fred Armisen talking about like uh, comedy specifically for musicians, and even more specifically for drummers? Not earnestly. I've only seen him doing it in character on Tim Heidecker's uh, Bill Maher <laughs> podcast parody. Okay, well, you probably get the gist of it. Still, the I think there is, he was like on some late night talk talk show and probably did a little little portion portion of that yeah and uh he was talking about how like the older that he gets the more it's just about having a controlled light kind of you know so that it's not about going going ham at it and i was when i was watching i was like oh man i hope panda's seen this because like he probably relates to it i mean what do i know about the guy but like he probably relates to it because it's like you know when you when you're younger you you want to go wild and stuff like that and panda certainly did with the drums in the early days of animal collective yeah and like you know all the way up like strawberry jam drums are nuts like it's all crazy even centipede hurts i think you could argue he's doing like bongo fills oh for sure yeah it's pretty wild but then it's like you know you reach a portion or a part of your life where you're like you know what i just want to like have a very subdued and controlled, you know, take on, on what the beat's supposed to be. And I think like Panda's also, I think his outlook, as far as I can tell from reading interviews and listening to the music has always been like more so to compliment the music than to just be like the drum beat. Right. And like broke Zodiac, I think it's just such a, such a great example of that. Like, it's just this, you know, it's, it's almost like, it's like a simple beat, but it's just, it's so perfect for that. Especially as soon as it opens, you're just like, oh man, like you start nodding your head to this. Yeah. It definitely serves the rhythm of the rest of the song rather than being the rhythm itself and having everything yes. else work to its own. And I think it, it kind of reminds me of like when Ringo would talk about like Ringo Starr, as opposed to another Ringo. Another Ringo? Yeah how he would talk about or how people would say like his drumming was supposed to be just like he would serve the song and he wouldn't show off so that when he did show off on like Sergeant Pepper's reprise at the end of the album, it was like noticeable because it's like Ringo actually gets a drum solo for a few measures, which is not a very Beatles thing to do. So I um don't really know where I was going with this, so I guess we can just move on to track four, which I think, is I think what you were trying to say is that Panda is um 
the Ringo of Animal Crossing. Uh, that's, that's not even a nice yeah, thing to say. No. If anyone, it, was, it would be... Um, I don't even know if... I, I can't even say Deacon. Like, maybe before we understood how great of a songwriter he was. But now, it's like, there isn't really a Ringo. It's just more like Jeremy Hyman. Well, the thing about Ringo is that he's super <laughs> fucking talented. It's just people gave him shit because he only wrote, like, two songs for the band. But that was never his, like part in the band his part was to be the yeah. drummer and keep everyone in time and he did a great job yes so fuck him <laughs> so all right track four yeah. magicians from baltimore titled magicians from baltimore i remember when they first had that title revealed when they did it in the music box set and i was like Mm -hmm. wow that is very tongue-in-cheek but also perfect and i hope that they never Mm -hmm. change it and they didn't to their credit remember when they were teasing about calling themselves the painters yeah i talked to brian about that in the interview oh nice okay that I've heard that interview already. Obviously, that's already out. In the yeah, back. no, I'm not still in the middle of editing it, and we're recording these all out <laughs> of schedule or anything. Yeah, do you think that they ever had like a, a little moment where they're like, "Should we just rename our band Magicians of Baltimore?" Because that would work too. Maybe, but I was I was pitching. I was saying to Brian, like maybe that would have been the album title, just because of how like I don't know fitting it felt just for them as a band. That's true. Yeah, that would have worked. He was like, he was talking about how they don't really do like naming the album after a song title anymore, which is totally fair. Right. But this one is interesting because it's like, it also was a much more stripped down thing during the music box set. It was really just like this repeating loop with a lot of cymbal crashes and big heavy toms. It didn't really, like, there was no, like, real progressive element to it. It was just, like, the same beat and then whatever the different melody was. But it would all happen sort of to the same rhythm. And then when, going back to that Instagram video where they were a drop of sun from the the shot, that's, like, the bird's eye perspective, that was where they debuted this new version of Magicians. And I was, it it took me a few seconds because it, it was a much different beginning where it was, like, a very sort of mellow like little wavy bit and then the like this big drum crash happens and you're like oh shit and especially live it's like, it's like, a like, jump scare. It, like yeah it's like a real jump scare when they're doing it 
to a crowd. And it's fantastic. I really have no notes for this song. I think they did it perfectly. <laughs> like all the the, the yeah. dynamics of it, just the like the lyrics, especially. I think these are some of my favorite lyrics. Like we could sit here and fawn over defeats lyrics all day. But I think this one has some of the more memorable ones, like just the imagery that comes with it and like the emotion that's conveyed through it. I mean, not to make this podcast three hours long like our others, but I really like the line, we should take a long drive, you and I to Avalon, take me somewhere new. It would be such a long drive, you and I just babbling, nothing else to do. Like, I don't know, it just, it seemed very like, it, it, it evokes a very specific like, experience and perspective mm-hmm. totally you can, de- you can definitely picture it i think it's like in a way almost like cherokee like it's it, it feels like the the counterpart to like yeah this album's it's the version baltimore of version of cherokee yeah yeah i think like when we first like listened to the the leak i'm mm-hmm. pretty sure that i messaged you afterwards and i was like we can probably agree that magicians is the best song on this album right i think you said yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know i feel like I feel like Stride Right might be my favorite. They're they're so different. I mean, like they I think are, but in terms I think of execution wise, like Stride is just so like powerful and like Stride is emotional. like beautiful. Yeah, it's so beautiful. I think that like Magicians has this other like you know this Americana quality to it that I've never heard from this band before. Oh, they're definitely and tied I, for first place. If if I had to, yeah. if I'm allowed to do that, <laughs> you're not. So the like. I remember the um, when it, it came out, like when it was debuted at the Music Box. Like, I did like it. I think the only part that really stood out to me was the like, you know, hot under the magnolias part, and uh, I was like, okay, you know. And then I, for whatever reason, I didn't listen to that song on the boots or stride. Like, those were like the two songs that I just didn't listen to for whatever reason. Well, I don't think they did magicians for like three years until that Instagram stream. So they didn't like during the right. during like the 2019 run they didn't play it, but that was where they debuted Stride. I think it, it was called Once Again for a long time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, either way I didn't didn't really listen to them, and yeah, I really I actually held off all the way until hearing that leak of Isn't It Now, and yeah, I I was blown away. I mean, because like yeah, it goes through such a roller coaster like it starts it starts off kind of kind of sounding like a tangerine reef song a little bit but then yeah as soon as that as soon as that jump scare comes in <laughs> but the melody that av's singing is like that it's like that's that feels like there's like a song on tangerine um i forget which one it is it's that one that's got that like low pitch you know I honestly couldn't tell you, like, if you tried to get me to name a single track from Tangerine <laughs> Reef, like, up, and tell it apart from another, I couldn't do it. I always just listen oh, to dude. it as one, like, 60-minute thing, you know? You don't go and listen to uh, poly- Polythoa, is that what it's called? Palethoa or uh, Air Pipe to a New Transition or whatever the fuck it was called. Shaking me. <laughs> I don't know tomato. what was going on when they made that. I mean, we love everything <laughs> you guys make. Thanks for sitting down with us. So, I'm, I'm a big fan of Tangerine. Just, just for the record, that's one of my, one of my personal, like you know, deep, deep cut fave albums of theirs. Yes, I but what about Tangerine so Dream? Uh the the Weed Strain. That's a good one too. No, the it, band. Jordan. Oh, I, I don't care for synth music. <laughs> just kidding. They're awesome too. But if anyone lives in a in a populated city, I uh, will give a little piece of advice here. 
I know we're talking about, isn't it now, but go put Tangerine Reef on, put on some headphones over ear, preferably, and go walk through the busiest city you possibly can. You will watch people move like fucking schools of fish around and it's just like the soundtrack of that blaring in your ears is it's scary anxiety inducing but also somehow beautiful yes so anyway magicians from baltimore (laughs) (laughs) no i just i'm so glad that we finally have this song because it's it's one of the ones that really changed the most and especially just the way it ramps up to that final section where it is just like the sort of like the the dreamland inside me bit and just how it just turns into like a total jam at the end it's 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 great it's a very like a lot of serotonin drips out of that song for me did you ever think you'd hear like a guitar like just pitch bend in an animal collective song is that in this yeah it's like right at the end. There's like so many sounds that they put into this song that I guess it's really hard for me to tell them apart. Like I'm still focused on the lasers from the beginning of the song. <laughs> like the... Yeah. I love those little sound effects. That I think that, that screams <laughs> geologist to me. But maybe it is. Oh, isn't. yeah. I wish we could have kept the very chaotic ending to the music box version where it just devolves mm. into like insanity and like... Like a like you're on twelve tabs of acid in a carnival, you know. I think they they ended it just right. I yes. think uh, for for what this is, it's well just in the like form that, that it's that in, piano, yes. that piano, uh, Deacon. You know, my man, Deacon, dude, you crushed that piano part. Holy fucking guacamole! I also just love how much of his vocals are all over the albums now. Like, oh yeah. It, he'll always be the first to like do a backup. If he's not harmonizing, he'll be there to do like the vocals that no one else does. And it's not like they're leaving him scraps. I'm just saying like it's nice to finally have more than two voices on a song, mm-hmm. especially because his his singing voice has just improved so much since so he good. started coming out of his shell with that. So it's great that now we can come to expect a new Deacon song on any Animal Collective album that he's involved with. And it's going to be a ballad, and it's going to make you cry. And you're... Yes. And it's going to be in the 3-4 time signature, or 6-8, or whatever, which isn't a bad... The, I feel um, like this, this album is interesting because it, it kind of fluctuates sometimes mm-hmm. between, like... There really aren't a lot of, like, odd time signatures. It's, like, mostly either in standard 4-by-4 four four or, like, 6-8 or 3-4. What's interesting is that, like... Well, we'll get to it, I guess, but all the clubs are broken kind of switches it's like three bars of standard time and then two bars of six eight and then back to the three so it's not like four and two or it's like it is sort of like off and that's kind of what makes that song feel a little off kilter but i think magicians is like standard time most of it but just because it is so progressive it's the intro is just not in any time right it's like i don't know if you you read that recent interview with panda uh where he's talking about how like that drum fill like signals to the rest of the band, like when to like kind of trigger like the other stuff. Right. And it's like in the live atmosphere, Panda would experiment with like those gaps of silence. Oh yeah. Brian was talking about that actually, how he was like, I, he would like sometimes He's just, like fuck with the band. Yeah. He like. would fuck with them and just like <laughs> do it a little bit longer every time 
or, or yeah. a little shorter and they'd have to like just to keep <laughs> them on their toes yeah yeah i love that it's great so yeah but deacon's vocals uh in the background i feel like where some of the studio vocals from avian panda seem to be a little more like geared towards the studio recording i feel like deacon's always just giving it that live like he's just wailing in the background i love it so good all right should we move on yeah i'm to, sorry i'm um, yawning because i'm tired not because you're boring me Oh, well, I'm, I'm sure. I'm leaning away from the mic. <laughs> I'm sure gone. it wouldn't be what I'm talking about because it's obviously exhilarating. But um, yes, we're going to move on. Speaking of exhilarating to centerpiece of this album, the reason any of this exists, defeat. Lightning crested, red your The Feet. The Feet, as it was formerly, as it was originally known, was actually Defeat a Not Sweet. Yeah. Which I guess now it is a sweet. Because they didn't yeah. specify that it it's not. So it is. Well, it, it they never said it's not a sweet. They said a not sweet. Yeah, it's a sweet with the theme not like right oh no not now i don't know isn't we talked about this song now? when it came out when we got the vinyls so i mean if you're an animal collective fan you haven't heard this song by now i what are you doing you know the album's out it's it's this grand sweeping sort of thing there's like a what would you say the opening part is like nine minutes with like two different yeah. sections two or three probably it's like the the song is like three main sections and then like each section within well i would say the front and back have like multiple sections and then the middle is just sort of the same mm-hmm. thing repeated yeah the first the first section has kind of like two two parts i would say outside of like the instrumental breaks like there's the verse and then there's the grab something take hold refrain yes or yeah hook or whatever you want to call it did we talk about how um that kind of like the changes that came to that song post music box versus music box. Cause that, that uh, sure grab something have. take hold so fast in the original version. Well, everything was, everything was so truncated because they didn't really space it out. I think it was, be- and it was also because they were trying to, I don't really know if they played on a meter for those first two bits, mm-hmm. but it was definitely like as the pandemic happened and everything was less, hustle and bustle i think he just felt that maybe the emotions would have more time to sink in and not be like all at once the more he spread it out now of course that means that the song went from 15 minutes to 22 minutes but yeah. here we are i think it also like kind of giving it that space gave more room for the the panda harmonies and stuff i think if, if that section at least like the grab something take hold part was done the way it was played at the music box i think it would have been a little bit weird to have pandas harmonies in there yeah, it, I can't picture that version with Panda Bear on it because he wasn't there. So maybe that is the yeah. reason, but it also just seems like they're like two completely different beasts. They are. All right, so that's our discussion about defeat. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, what can we really say? I mean, of course, there's the the middle part where the lyrics changed constantly, mm-hmm. even between 
you know, recording it and then playing it live, even though we heard the recording after seeing it live. I think it started with like, every time I'm down, I think was the lyric from the music box version. And then like, yeah, something like something around. Yeah, it was just like, he was just spamming the ow sound with whatever Mm. could rhyme in that little chaotic bit. But then it, it changed into a full line or what have you let stanza yeah i don't even refrain know refrain or something yeah crawling from the yeah. serpent in the, in the water, water the mirror the what have mirror, we become have which we doesn't become. really it's just like a series of it's definitely not as straightforward as the nonsensical lyric from the music box but <laughs> it's still pretty abstract you know what if it makes sense in av tear's head i'm not going to argue with it so i think it makes sense because like he talked about the serpent you know at the beginning serpents something in the water circle in the fountain is that what he says something like that there's a lot of lyrics to this song jordan fountain's got water It takes up like half of the inside of the vinyl like here i can show you even yeah i don't know what this looks like yet so defeat starts down here and then it ends oh i guess you know it probably was that they just didn't yeah you know what it is is that defeat is oh no not now this whole bit they only put it once as opposed to uh, right, right, right. 30 right. times like they say it in the song <laughs> but yeah it takes up okay so maybe not half of it but it takes up us i would say actually probably magicians has more lyrics or stride it's kind of wild but they left out a lot of repetitive lyrics that's probably why that makes sense they didn't have enough room in there yeah defeat but yeah defeat man so good it's so good i, t- I talked to a friend of mine who's also in the animal collective the other day he just heard isn't it now and i was like what did you think he goes i kid you not he said this to me he says only dud on the album is defeat Boo. Said, them's, them's fighting words my friend so we're not friends anymore but i mean yeah, i defeat, can kind of like... see it if you're not used to <laughs> the faster version and knowing that like knowing what's coming if you are just like experiencing it for the first time in that slower version yeah it might be a bit of a chore to sit through i think it's it comes back to what i'm sure we'll talk about a little bit after we kind of have this like run through of the tracks but uh the sequencing of it and everything it's uh, yourself greg and many people would have thought this would have been the closer but no animal collective can't do something that obvious it's got to be right smack dab in the middle of the album to really make you listen to it i think is the point because it's like this attract like this deserves to be listened to and i think it's it's a little frustrating sometimes because the world we live in you know attention spans are at an all-time low and it's like well even i can admit that putting it at the end on my custom track list maybe wasn't the best choice because yeah i do get like 10 minutes into it and i'm like damn how long is this fucking album (laughs) exactly and it's like and then i'm like wait i did this to myself you you know you know um you've you're a fan of uh hereditary aren't you greg so that that movie you may or may not know is very polarizing. Like people are like that movie fuck it sucks. Why do people like that movie? It's so boring. Nothing happens. And it's just like, dude, you're just not in the zone. Like if if you're like, you know, chugging beers and and you're trying to have like a great time and you want to go see like a conjuring style film and you watch Hereditary, yeah, of course you're going to be bummed out by it because like it is a slow burn. You need to get in the zone of that movie. And once you are in the zone of that movie, it's fucking terrifying. Like the emotion that you get from it is so much stronger than any of these like crappy, you know, like Blumhouse movies, not to knock Blumhouse cause they have made some good stuff, but 
I feel like defeats the exact same thing. If you're not in the zone for that song, you probably will find it a little taxing and a little, little, you know, a little bit of a slow burn. And you're like, whoa, how really this is 22 minutes. Um, the best thing is to just like, you got to surrender yourself and be in that, that zone. Don't worry about how long it is. Don't even look at how long it's supposed to be. I remember when that song, when they first started doing like the live versions with Panda and everything, I played that to, to a friend of mine and uh, I was just like, oh, there's this new Animal Collective song. It's really good. Listen to it. I didn't tell him shit about it. I was like, I'm not going to tell him it's like 20 minutes long. I'm not going to say anything about it. We're just going to get stoned and listen to it. And so we did and it finished. And I was like, how long do you think that song was? And he was like, I don't know, maybe like seven minutes. I was Damn. like, that song was 22 minutes long. He was like, what? But we were just in the zone. Like we, we were in the perfect headspace for that. And and if you don't think about it and you lose yourself to it, it doesn't feel that long. It's just, it's the burden of knowing how long it is that kind of, I think might kind right. of fuck it up for some people. For sure. I mean, I think that could be the same with like any, like a three hour movie, you know? Like you just oh yeah for sure once you're in yeah. the right knowing headspace, knowing the bow is afraid was three by. hours I was like shit yeah I still loved it though but of course that's all about anxiety and this isn't so much it, I mean there is there are some things <laughs> I think in it, it is in the song, but <laughs> yeah. not not explicitly like it yeah the the themes of it are not like literalized in the the feeling that you get from experiencing it the same way that you do from something like bow is afraid yeah for I sure. think it's more although just it is like expressing the you know, sort of anguish that comes with it, the, the, you know, picking yourself back up after you feel like you've been crushed. You think it's a hopeful song or, uh, or or the opposite? I think it can, maybe it starts out sort of like in despair, but then Mm -hmm. I think the intro, maybe, I I don't really know what you could call the middle of it in terms of like what the emotional journey of the song is like how you could maybe interpret that. But I think the fact that you get to the third section and it does have this like very, it's like it changes key to a major instead of C. So it is a bit more of like a, um, it's a definite like change of tone almost literally. And then like the lyrics become like more hopeful. It becomes like, Oh, here, let me just read an excerpt from it. So let's see. Read the bit about the underdub. Uh, I can't find it. Let's see. It goes to, yeah, it just has crawling from the serpent in the water like once. And then it goes like the, you know, saying that there once was a good way. We were the good news. You know, we were coming of age. Uh, where did it change coming of age? Like, so basically it's just like saying that life is not the same way that it used to be. And, you know, there is like that, that sort of dramatic bit with the just a frightened mother looking for her daughter and all that. Mm. But then I think it, it finds its way back. And I, I, I think that the final section, the, the isn't it now is like the most hopeful part of it because it is just sort of like, you know, are, are you going to, you're like sort of shouting out like, is this it? Is this where it all finally comes crashing down? But then no, it isn't like you're not being defeated. You're just sort of, feeling the brunt of it but you just you know that tomorrow is going to happen anyway whether you're in a bad mood or not so you might as well just you know pick yourself up by the bootstraps let's get on with it you know i um i i think the cool thing about this band has always been how lyrically like up for interpretation it all is for me i completely saw the opposite 
<laughs> where it's like the ending for me was very hopeless and 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 crushing and and I found like some sort of like morose beauty in that because I think like that section leading up right into the the final defeat parts I think it was like what was it we we were the good news now I'm all out how about you mm. it's it feels like you know like I it feels like there's like this kind of like separation between AV and whoever he's singing about where it's just like you know I hope things are are going good for you but the good news thing it's i'm i'm out of i'm out of good news and then it's like this weird interplay because it's like you got av going isn't it now defeat and then panda being like oh no not now and it's like that that hopefulness but then panda starts to get more and more faint and it's like he just stops right towards the end and it's like you don't get that that callback like oh no not now it's just isn't it now no, no one's saying no it's not and then he ends just midway saying defeat it literally sounds like Def- they've died yeah <laughs> like it sounds like panda died and then like av's just running on the last little bit of life he has in him just to say diff and it just ends right there Shit you not, Greg. I was listening to that song when it first came out. Like I probably listened to that song like fifty times, and I was like in tears every time. It was, uh, yeah. It's it's. I feel like it's a very crushing ending, but it's amazing that people like you're not the only person that sees like some hopefulness in that song yeah. too. Well, it's, it feels ending. bittersweet, you know. Mm-hmm. Where it, I mean, just I don't know. I I can't really articulate it anymore without repeating myself, but. I just that's just how it feels is it, feel, it feels like yeah there is it, it does just sort of like highlight that dichotomy between you know like you walk around every day pretending everything is fine but in the back of your mind there's still that sort of the void the existential mm-hmm. void that you have to sort of just avoid or you know just <laughs> ignore to get on with your day and not go crazy so i think yeah there's just a lot of ways you can interpret the song especially with how long it is. You have plenty of time to sit there and think about it in real time. <laughs> it's a masterpiece. I, I love this this song so much. One of their greatest songs, I yeah. think. Uh, There's agree. a reason it ranks among the greats like Safer, Always You, I guess Banshee Beat, Purple Bottle, mm-hmm. Fireworks. Speaking of fireworks, I think that they actually share a very similar sort of like lyrical theme in it to where there is a sort of like detachment from reality and this sort of like melancholy feel with the nostalgia sort of mixed in. So I think it's just an AV Dare song at the end of the day, you know? <laughs> yeah. That guy's really great at like uh, making those bittersweet songs. Okay. So right out of the ashes, does the Phoenix rise? Now we're to... 40 minutes into the album. 40 minutes into the album. We just heard Magicians. It was like 10 minutes long. We just heard Defeat 22 minutes long. It's been over half an hour since we've heard a fun Panda Bear song. And then, boom, right back into it, Gemini. Three and a half or something like that. Yeah. 
it's it's the crack open another beer let's get in it song that's Let's all i it. think and every someone brings up jim and i that's all i think of is just that out of the two panda songs from this album i think it's my least favorite which you know it's a 50 50 shot so it's not like it's that <laughs> the thing is i can i can criticize any song from this album or, or like any song that i don't like as much as others but the thing is that animal collective is just so fucking good on like a base level you know like the best songs on it are like you know these pillars of of musical achievement and then the the lesser songs are still really good on their own but when mm-hmm. you when you juxtapose the two it, i think it can be a little extreme in terms of like the spectrum of good to to not as good but like that that's the thing is that like even something like jim and i or genie's open or soul capturer just because they don't stack up to the the highest of the highs of like defeat and magicians and and stride doesn't mean that I don't like them. So even though I'm sort of indifferent towards Gemini, it's because it's compared to all the other stuff on the album that's like a ten out of ten, you know. Yeah, I mean, like um, I see that too. Like it's you know, I think I had maybe what you're experiencing with Gemini towards Walker on Time Skiffs, mm-hmm. where that song never really like. It never really took full like hold of me hearing the bootlegs and stuff. I think they did a much better version in the in the studio recording, but it was like one of those songs where it's just like this is a good song, but like mm-hmm. in terms of what else is here, like it it ranks a little lower. But we've talked about this before. Gemini was like one of the ones that I was most excited to hear out out of Broke Zodiac and Gemini, at least before the album came out. That was my most anticipated of the two. I I think that both of them. Um, I wouldn't say I like one more than the other at this point. I mean, maybe I would say Broke Zodiac just because that chorus really blew me out of the water. But Gemini, it's just like, it's just a fun kind of like, I don't know, reggae-esque song with just interesting melodies, interesting choices when it comes to the instrumentation. It's it's like, it's fun. And I think, you know, I, I, I probably mentioned this before, I like it to me seems like the obvious choice for like the single, like the main single of this album. Like, of course, I, don't know. I just I think would... Rogue Zodiac feels more poppy to me, and I I feel like anytime I want to say what should be a lead single from an album, I always go with the poppier more. That's why Walker made sense to me as mm. a single because it, I feel like Walker and Rogue Zodiac are very sort of similar in their structure and their like snappiness. You know, like there's no yeah. real like extra sections to make unless you want to count the outro to Walker, but that wasn't a thing when they debuted it yeah. live. That was purely an album thing. Yeah. And they never played it live after that. They played it literally once at Meow Wolf <laughs> in 2019, and then they never played it again, probably because they used a real glockenspiel on the album, and it would have been harder right, right. to replicate that in a live setting without everything bleeding in because you know, it's a very acoustic instrument. Mm-hmm. So so they didn't do the, the outro in the, the Meow Wolf? No, it just it, it was like, uh, we'll see you there. Do-do. And then I think they started like ramping it up into like we go back or something more or maybe it was grass. It was something very upbeat. So okay. it was like the 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 beat the drums pick up. There wasn't like a like a hurdy gurdy chill out moment. I like that ending to Walker. But yeah, Gemini I think it's great. I um you know like I held off listening to the album after I heard the leak, but I did know that Gemini was going to be a single, so that one I did listen to a few more times. Yes. So 
Shout out to the guy on Collected Animals that leaks all that information for us. Yeah, exactly. Who is this guy? I honestly don't want to know. know I just want to keep him anonymous. I just want to. I like the mystery. I I will just appreciate the information and then, you know, they can keep their anonymity. I'm fine with that. (laughs) Maybe if the band wants to hunt him down, that's their prerogative. Yeah. Go find this guy. He's spilling all the beans. But uh, yeah, I think I mean there's not much to say about Gemini outside of I think I think it's a ripper, and I think um, the crack open another beer line is sick. You know, another tip to the golden ears. I think if there's one section of the song that doesn't really do it for me, it's the upbeat part, the do 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 because it it didn't really it feels a little disparate from the other sections of the song in ways that other parts where they switch it up on this album don't. Like even from its very beginning, that that was there, and it it never really felt like. I don't know. There was nothing really about the song and the way that it switched up that like stood out to me. I just wish I that he had kept the earlier lyrics like "This is a gun" instead of like seeing the sun <laughs> or something like that. Because honestly, I will just start singing along the original lyrics because it has been so long, <laughs> and I'm like, man, I missed the "This is a gun," but I guess they already did the you know, ready the weapon line on car keys. And they don't want true, people true. to read too much into it, like the burglars and Trump and all that. But that might just be my theory. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a, it's you know, they also wrote Piggy Nose. So, yeah, Gemini, uh, lyrically, I mean, I don't know what the fuck uh, that song's about. Flagging the lame. I, I don't know, man. I don't know what that's about, but I love it. It's, it's about, about cracking open another beer and getting in it. That's and what that it's I about. can fully relate to. I do have another it's beer cracking open a well. cold one with the boys. The song. With the homies. So wait, what's the, is next? Stride right. You once again I lie beside you, staring through your open heart, explaining what I'm Let's invite all the songs. Next is next is stride right now. Like, you know, you just you just like brought me to my knees with defeat, gave me this poppy upbeat Gemini. And by the way, how do you feel about that jump scare, that drum jump scare to go from like (laughs) the very like gradual fade out of defeat into do 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 scared the shit out of me. Scared the shit out of me the first time I heard it. I was like, because it was the leak, so it wasn't on vinyl. I think it would make more sense if I had to flip it over. I wouldn't be as jump scared by it. But like listening to that just stream of all the songs scared the shit out of me, man. I, um, yeah, I wasn't ready. <laughs> I lost myself in defeat and then like, boom. But I was like really stoked because that was the first time hearing it. And I was like, fuck yeah, this is like one of the one of the main jams that I was like, super stoked to hear in the studio yeah. version and you needed a little something to break it up between defeat and stride like personally i think they could have gone like if they did like defeat all the clubs are broken and then stride right that could have worked because it goes from like sort of a fade out to a fade in i have a crazy idea that stride right would be perfect after defeat just fucking linger in the in the sadness just give us a full-on just weeping session what just Let's have a good old-fashioned wallow. Well, then you have Magician's Defeat Stride, and you sort of blew all three of your loads right there in the middle. (laughs) 
And then what's to keep hey, people sticking not? around? You know, you got to blow, blow all the loads simultaneously. Let's let's bukkake this thing, you know? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Stride right. Okay, this song First of is all, it's named after a, a shoe store, which is a little odd. Is it? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yes. What? What? Yeah. I don't know. I I don't know if it's a regional thing or what, but people have like posted pictures of the Stride Right like storefront to the subreddit. Been like, oh my god, Deacon moment IRL. This is a this is a beautiful song, man. This song is so beautiful. Oh my god, the piano, Deacon's voice, the melodies, everything, the buildup of the drums. This song is like, you know, we mentioned earlier, like magicians and stride right up there for like number one on this this album Mm -hmm. for sure and i think it works really well with like a trilogy of it's almost like it fits in a trilogy with royal and desire and suspend the time i don't know how familiar Mm -hmm. you are with the latter but like i did the three of them like i listen to to suspend the time like over and over and over i i I donated money to the ocean foundation and i got i think i did too i can't remember it was so long ago that might that was sometime in 2018, so it comes from around that like genesis of all mm-hmm. these songs. But yeah, just Deacon just really puts his entire soul into every song that he puts out, especially this one. Like it seemed like it didn't really change as much in terms of the structure from debut to being put on the record, but it definitely seems like they they tightened it up and streamlined. I know that there was like a bit where because they were using autotune so much in the 2019 tour that there was like a, a section where Deacon was like vocalizing with the autotune and people in like the um I don't know if it was the maybe that was Passerby actually. I think I keep confusing like Passerby and Stride Right only because the demo names were so like similar. Back in the day, I think they were getting confused when people were putting the fan titles on all the bootlegs. So maybe this was a completely moot point. All I can say is that Deacon fucking nailed it with this one. The entire band coming together to to flesh it out and just like, yeah, adding the drums to it instead of it just being like a straightforward sort of piano jam. It really just like all the pieces came together. And I don't know if there's really anything compositionally that's or like arrangement wise that stands out aside from the piano and the and the drums. I, are mm-hmm. there guitars on this song? I don't even I don't even remember. I think I was just so caught up in the emotion that I didn't try to dissect it musically. Honestly, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Like I I I'm so like just like focused on Deacon's vocal performance that all the rest kind of like and and the piano of course, but like the rest is kind of like you know, it's just it's there and which like like all animal collective music, like it's there for you to explore later. Right. But you always for, discover for something me new. right now. Exactly. For for me right now, like it, it's I'm still just just so blown away by that vocal performance, the melodies. It's uh yeah, it's a, it's a absolutely beautiful song. Uh first time I heard it, I was like, "Holy." Cuz I that was like I said, that that was one of the songs that and Magicians that I didn't really listen to any of the boots for. And then uh when Animal Collective played in Toronto last year, I sent uh, Deacon a DM and I was like, "Can you please play Stride and uh, they did as an encore. And I was like, was that because of my request? Maybe not. Maybe so. But either way, I was just like, I just like standing there in the crowd, just like feeling this song, just like, you know, come over me like some fucking tsunami. It was amazing. And uh, yeah, in, in terms of like how they nailed it in the um, the studio version, just just it's so beautiful. But the one thing 
that um, I did I did mention before, which maybe we still don't know the answer to, is Deacon harmonizing with himself. I mean, they, you got two other vocalists there. Was that not a possibility that day, or maybe it was just be maybe they encouraged him to do that. Maybe that was just how like maybe that's the best when way he was it playing sounded? the song out in his head or like on tape or something. Maybe I don't know. But there's also like that bit during like mm-hmm. one of the uh i don't even know if you can call it a chorus but like the the part that's not the verse when the drums <laughs> right. are are hitting harder i i don't know if that's him or if that's av or someone but i feel like there are other voices like in it but like yeah the the verse harmonies are are obviously deacon i just love that he gets gets to sit there and just vocalize like without lyrics like just the way that the song works like the <laughs> like that man ah that just says that says it all without really saying anything you know mm-hmm. ah it's it just it, yeah. you can tell it just comes from like a really deep real place and i'm i'm very glad that it finally got to be in a finished state because it it just everything came together so perfectly with it yeah man like deacon is definitely like the secret weapon of this band like people Royal thought it was Panda for a long time but nope yeah, now Royal and Desire was my favorite track off of Skiffs. Um, it's such an emotional song, and uh, didn't think it could be topped. And then, lo and behold, yeah. <laughs> here we are with Stride. Well, especially with how like intricate, or like not maybe no, like how detailed the production of Royal and Desire was. I don't think this mm-hmm. one was as detailed, but like clearly, it's still like really fleshed out. It doesn't need to be. Full. Yeah, it doesn't need to be. There's still a lot going it's, on in uh, it, just not nearly as much, yeah. at least uh, texturally, as Royal and Desire. So yeah, I'm I'm really really stoked because I mean, like you know, the the word on the street is that Deacon's next solo album is going to be more like piano centric, and I, I think if it's if Stride is any indication of what you know he can do with the piano and his voice, we're in for some real tear jerkers here. Yeah. And plus, it's already been seven years since Sleep Cycles, so, you know, tick-tock, you know, from, from the... <laughs> when, when was the Kickstarter? Was it 2009 to Yeah, that was, that was a long gesta- So it's basically the same amount period. of time, so, you know, let's get on that. Domino, let's get this guy some, some bucks so we can cram it... Throw some money at this so man. We can crank it out. Yeah, man, just a great song. And I think that... I think it's basically on the same part of the track list on my version of the track list than the actual one like i think i have it go mm. stride broke zodiac defeat i think that's how the album ends which okay i think defeat yeah we said it earlier it's it's like a little bit of a uh it's a little too much i think for an ending just because of how mm. like by that point you're already through the entire like you're 40 minutes into the album by that point and that's like a standard album length so to then have this yeah, extra yeah. 20 minute thing at the end probably would have been too much for the you know, it would have been a little too limiting for new fans to get into. And plus, I can see what they mean about it being a downer at the end of the album. But even though I don't really see it that way, because we like we talked about, but mm-hmm. we can go to the penultimate track, though, the one that they never all played. All cops are bastards. Yes. All celery uh, are, bro- are broccoli are, are broken. All the clubs are broken. Everyone's a nine to five. Yeah, it's the time to go and it arrives. Burning over the drive. Nine 
which they never played live. Probably never and will. Probably never will. Yeah, because well, they said this song was actually from like that initial batch from like 2019, but they just never played oh, yeah? it, and so we never heard it until it got recorded and put on an album, which is kind of cool because it. I, I, a, I'm glad that they didn't make it a single like strong with everything. So we did have a little mm-hmm. bit of a surprise. Of course, there was the leak, but mm-hmm. it was something to look forward to because you didn't know what to expect. And I think the way it was described by some of the people on Collected Animals who heard it first was nowhere near how it actually sounds. This one's it's like a it's like a mix between like I think I said it with Brian. I think it's like a mix between like AB Tear Slasher Flicks and like a Merryweather a little bit. It's it's kind of like a disco yeah. song. I feel like it's got a little bit of a painting with thing going on. Oh yeah, I think that's what I said. I think it was painting with and uh Yeah. It's yeah. uh it's an oddball song. I don't know what your thoughts were when it first came on right after Stride, but I was like I legitimately thought because what I did with like so I was streaming or I was playing the leak from my phone, but I was playing it on Bluetooth speakers in my living room with, you know, Tears of the Kingdom in the background. I thought that something went wrong with like, I th- like, it's, you know, like when right. like, uh, like a YouTube ad will start playing or something like that. And it's like, ah, this is... you're trying to show someone, Hey, listen to this song. And you, like the YouTube ad music starts playing. They're like, Oh, it's pretty good. Like, this, is, this is not the fucking song. Wait until the ad's done. Like I thought because of that fade in, especially I was like, what is that? It was like, this doesn't even make sense. I'm not even playing this off of YouTube. This is not like, these are like, these are MP3 files. And then their voices kick in and you're like, Oh, yeah, I was like, what is that? And then it was like, oh, this is this is the new song that I haven't heard. It's like, okay, this is quite weird. And then, yeah, the voices kicked in. I was like, I, I honestly, I I did not, in that very short runtime of that song, I did not know what to make of that song. It left me flabbergasted. And because I made that agreement with myself that I wouldn't listen to it for another month until it properly came out, I've spent, I spent like a month being like, what was that song? Like, I can't. Like, I didn't have time to process it. But since then, listening to it since it's come out, it's fantastic. It's it's earworm. It's um. It's so fun. I haven't really delved into like the lyrical content too much. I'm sure it's cool. The nine to five thing sounds like. Well, there's barely be. any lyrics to it, so we could actually just read them all right here. Okay, yeah. Because it's a very it's a very loopy song. We should say it like. It's like yes, the same yes. two sections just repeated, which is fine. Yeah. It's kind of like Selfish Gene in that way, although that one's a lot, mm-hmm. I would say, more progressive than this. I, I like the fact that it's a loop, and it's actually kind of, I wish that it was a little bit longer just because of how mm. how odd the structure of the measures are. It seems like it would go longer, but it doesn't. So it's like, I think someone did a 20-minute edit of it, so I might check that out and see if I get tired <laughs> of it after like five minutes. <laughs> So the lyrics are, Living in a world of trials, tiles of every color under an open bride. Mystic worlds collide. They said they had never died. Everyone's a nine to five. Barely placed in time, gone when it arrives. Mind in overdrive. Nights of turning in goodbyes. Living in a world of trials. And then it just loops and loops and loops. Well, that makes it a lot clearer to me. Yeah. It's great. But I I know what you mean because like, when you actually listen to the song without the lyrics to read... All you hear is like everyone's a nine to five, da, 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 and it just all just gets like buried under the mix, and you're like, yeah. "What?" But I like it. I really do enjoy it. I I did is a direction I did not expect them to go, and if they want to continue to go from like the '60s Grateful Dead to like the '70s <laughs> disco in their own way, I'm all for it, man. That would be cool. 
totally. So, yeah, not really much to say about it. I really like the synths in it. Pretty straightforward song as, you know, Animal Collective can be, I guess, in a way. Mm-hmm. It's not as straightforward <laughs> as maybe like My Girls, but yeah, I hope it, it gets some radio play because I think it might intrigue people to check out the band in a way that like maybe Defeat or Soul Capturer wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, the lead single Defeat yeah, might not uh, rope people in as quickly as this immediate earworm of the melody, but... If you don't get it, then that's your own fucking problem because yeah. Animal Collective Maybe is all about that. Maybe you should just smoke that, some so. weed, man. Smoke some weed, Have bro. You ever Crack listen to Animal another Collective beer on weed. <laughs> all right. Okay, so here we are. Here we are at the very last track of the album. It's been an hour and a half that we've been talking about this. It's King's Walk. Which, okay. it's weird that it's the closer, because it does not feel like a closer in any way, shape, or form. It feels very all. much like an hour prayer opening to the Beach Boys Smile kind of opener. Mm-hmm. But it's not. It's the closer. And it's it's a three-part harmony uh, acapella with like a little bit of bass and then some like glitchy sound effects thrown in there. Not yep. like the glitch from Rogue Zodiac, but its own little like sort of... You know, like yeah, arcade lasery things. Yeah, yeah. It's great. The three part harmony is is very it strong. Is. It's very like I think it was that was this was one of the songs that like when in the 2019 mini tour happened that when we heard it for the first time it was just like okay Cherokee and now like this it's like they're going for like a weird like medieval jazz sort of vibe with this era and of course mm-hmm. with the pandemic and how everything changed that. Didn't really come through, but I think this still sort of evokes that same sort of, like, medieval, like, grandiose, like, anthem feel to it. Like, this feels like something that Queen might have maybe done if they had gotten around to it. I don't want to say it's like Bohemian Rhapsody, but it does sort of have a similar, <laughs> like, I can picture, like, a three-headed dog. I don't know what you call it. Like, the thing from Harry Potter. Like, if it could sing. C- Cere- Cerebus. Is that the type of mystical creature? Uh, the Cerebus is the multi-headed dog, I'm pretty sure. Okay. I just remember they called it Fluffy, so, or right. or whatever. <laughs> yeah, King's Walk is, uh, it's interesting because the original version had, like, A.V. doing the verse on it. Because, I mm-hmm. mean, really the only part where there's actual lyrics, aside from, <laughs> it had, like, a sort of high-pitched chipmunky voice with, like, heavily caked in auto-tune. And I was like, wow. This is like when Animal Collective, what they do best, where they just take what you're used to and then they just completely do like a like a 270 even, like not completely mm-hmm. th- turn around in a circle. It's just it, they took it in a very interesting direction that I'm like, yes, this completely makes sense from an experimental standpoint t- for this song to exist. And of course, it doesn't exist in that <laughs> exact form on the album. I do kind of miss it, but at the same time, it makes sense that they didn't include it because it just it would have stuck out like a sore thumb with the palette of the album mm-hmm. to have that on there. But I don't know. It's just very interesting how they decided to change that because I I think it it almost sort of like 
I think AV's voice almost gets lost in the uh, mix of it all a little bit. Like with him just singing at that regular register, it is sort of like it's sort of in the same range as the harmonies to where I think if you're not explicitly listening to his voice, you can it, it's sort of like a wall of sound with the mm-hmm. the other harmonies going at the same time. What a, what a, uh, what does the lyrics look like on the in the gatefold for oh, that yeah. one? Oh yeah, it's it's actually it might be shorter than all the clubs are broken. It is. It's only two, three lines, right three there. Three lines. That's it. What does it say? Can you see that? It says, "This old world is almost getting cooked. This old world is louder, or sorry, tougher than it looks." I can't read apparently. Also, this is Deacon's <laughs> handwriting, so you can blame him. Oh really? Yeah. You can ask him about that. <laughs> this old world is almost getting cooked. This old world is tougher than it looks. And then it says hold hands, but I don't remember anyone I saying don't remember that, that. Song. I might have to listen closely for that. But yeah, literally three lyrics, and that's it. Wow. Because most of the song is harmonizing. Chanting. Yeah. yeah. It is like, it's like a, I don't know, I wouldn't say Gregorian, but it is like a sort of, it, it kind of gives you like this like South American like mm-hmm. jungle vibe to like the wailing. It's not like singing. It is sort of like a wail that they're doing in yeah. harmony. Yeah, for sure. Like you would almost expect it to go into some sort of like language you don't speak, but it doesn't. Is it s- safe to say that it is the uh, spiritual follow-up to college? I guess so. In the same way that all the clubs are broken is a spiritual follow-up to someday I'll grow to be as tall as the trees. Is that what it's called? <laughs> sure. The the one from yeah I think from Spirit they're called. gone the one right before Spirit, Alvin yeah Rome. yeah someday I'll... my brain wants me to yeah. think that the word giant is in the title but I think the word giant is in the title but am are we this I I didn't I didn't go out of my way to look up anything but I have to look this up yeah. now because that's gonna bug me am I gonna beat you to it I don't know I'm already on Animal Collective and Spotify Let's see here oh god oh god. Oh, right. It's someday I'll grow to be as tall as the giant. Tall as the is giant. It? That, yes. Yeah. Yes, Where did I get trees from? Maybe that was like... I don't know. Maybe that was like one of those soul-seek, mistitled songs that everyone must, spread must around. Be, must be Tree Man. You know what? That probably is it. Or maybe Vertical? Because he sings about being as tall as the trees. I don't know. I think it was also... <laughs> it's like I remember learning how to drive as opposed to how to dive. Right. So... Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's a Mandela thing. Maybe I'm just fried. Maybe I've fried my brain from <laughs> all this. This content is all I've Nelson Mandela's fault. It is. I don't know how, but it is. <laughs> so King's Walk, it just sort of ends. There isn't really like an outro to it. It's like AV yeah. finishes his final lyric, and then like the song almost ends on his voice. Well, if, if you think it's going to end right at one point, because like everyone like a stops, dip, like a false, uh, and you're like, "Oh, it just ended on like everyone harmonizing," and you're like, "Cool," but then it's just like back into this old world. Is it that, or does Panda come back in at one point? Maybe it's like it does both because the song is like it does both. five minutes yeah. long. Yeah, the the first time it kind of dips out. That's when Panda comes back with a uh uh uh, uh and then it goes. It, then they all harmonize, and then you think it's over, and then I think it comes back to this this old world. It's getting cooked. 
Yeah, it's a strange choice for a closer. Probably the most, like, glaring, like, what were they thinking choice on the track mm-hmm. list. And maybe I should have asked that, but I didn't. Because I don't, I don't feel like <laughs> being that uh, interrogative with the people I admire. But You know what you should have asked? You should have asked is, is why didn't geologists add any vocals? That fourth level it's true. of vocal harmonizing, you know? He's like, I have to I hide see, behind vocalizers of- is what I do. I've heard him go, Golden Girl. <laughs> that's not him, is it? I think that's just Panda Navy. He's doing. He's on like a little vocalizer, going like, "When you want the way you want." Oh, is that? And, and is like that what he's in doing? the verses, he's going like, "Ba ba 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 ba," because when he has the synth going, it's like making like just a regular like note. And oh, okay, like okay. a guy speaking. So I, it's, I thought he was. I thought he was lended to the the falsetto. I do think he shouts on "We Tigers" like way back in the day. Oh like, yeah, yeah. Like that, that used to be crazy. Yeah, that was all yeah. all of them. Because it was basically just yeah. drums during that entire song, and I don't even know yeah. if anyone strums any guitar chords. But I would say that as far as the closer for this album, maybe "Defeat" isn't the best choice. But I think if you were to do something like "Stride Right," it would have been a little too obvious because mm-hmm. of "Royal and Desire" being the closer on the. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we said this already when we talked about the track list reveal, but maybe. It bears repeating because this group of songs is, maybe we did say this before too, is just a very strange collection of tracks that it, it it's mm-hmm. almost like putting together a puzzle to figure out what order they should go in. And of course, everyone has their own interpretation, but as far as the physical limitations of like a vinyl record and just like, you know, retention from an audience, like... It is bold to put a 22-minute song in the middle of an album or really on an album in any point of the track list, Mm -hmm. except for the end. Or if it was just like an entire EP, that would be a little more fitting. So it's just, I knew going into this album that it was going to be a very strange, you know, no matter what way you configured it, it was going to be unconventional. And more so than your regular Animal Collective album. And no regular... No Animal Collective album is regular, is I guess the point I'm trying to make. But this so this one even more so. But I think it just sort of makes it its own character. It makes it its own thing where, it, you know, Cherokee is almost eight minutes and Defeat is 22 minutes. So they do have a sort of a similar structure, but not exactly the same. And I think that, you know, because we do live in the digital age, fans can be free to make their own combinations and configurations and orders and... There's nothing wrong with that because, you know, I think we've just gotten so attached to these songs over the different iterations and over the years and the yearning through the pandemic of when we were going to finally hear all these recorded. And now it just feels like, now what? You know? Yeah. Well, that's that's where it, what it is, man. We're, we're on to, we're, we're past this era now. This is all the material from this era. Yeah. Now, now There's no Animal EP Collective. Coming. No EP. This is the uh, the the next next phase of Animal Collective that we get to look forward to. So I'm I'm stoked. I'm I'm stoked that they've they've ended this era on such a high note, and I uh, am beyond excited to see what happens next. But this this era, for better or for worse, that it took so long. Like we got two fucking phenomenal albums out of them. Absolutely. And um, I don't think that there's anything drastically that I would have changed whether we're nitpicking about sequencing or like glitchy little bits on 
broke Zodiac. Right. And it's like I ultimately think... they're the band. It's their album. It's their music. Yeah, it's their they, choice. This is clearly what made the most sense to them. So you know, more power to them. And if they're happy with it, then I'm happy. You know, I'm I'm mm-hmm. so glad that now we have this album in whatever form we decide to listen to it in because it just there is just like a very big sense of like finality to it. Like when a, when a TV show just like nails the series finale and you're like, God damn. Yes. What a great show. Like, I'm so glad that they ended it and didn't fuck it up. Although I never thought animal collective would fuck anything up. So that was never an option in my brain. No, but they exceeded expectations. I would even go as far as to say, which is saying something considering how high they were. Yeah. Yeah. For an album of seriously long songs for a 64 minute album. Yeah, this is something truly special, and I'm I'm glad that they got to to record it in the way that they wanted. I'm glad that they got Russell to, you know. Oh yeah, shout out all to that. Russell Elevado. I think his name is. He did a yeah. fantastic job mixing, and I don't know if he mixed. It. I think he just produced it and was like, yeah, there for the recording. Because I don't know. I I can look at the personnel right here on the album. I'm so glad I have this for visual aid this time. Let's see. <laughs> Produced by Animal Collective and Russell Elevado. Recorded and mixed by Russell. Okay, so there you go. He did mix it. There you go. Yeah. Nice. So he did a great job. And uh, I think it definitely, it, it shows in how, like, they the Time Skiffs recording was digital and remote, and they had mm-hmm. a different mixer or engineer and or and or both. And then this one was all in the same room and it was sort of like one singular sort of vision. I think that sort of comes across in the, like how time skips has a little bit of a kaleidoscope, like box of crayons feel to it. And this sort of just feels like it's like the album cover where it is very much like almost every song on this is like Brown in my head. You yeah. Know? Or, or something yeah, akin sure. to that, like a, like a darker orange. hundred percent. It's uh cohesive and, and also uh kind of not cohesive in, in a weird way. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's that's Animal Collective for you, though. Well, as long as you can improvise a transition between the songs live, it all works together. <laughs> it'll all work. You could yeah. you could throw bluish into the mix, and it'll still work somehow. Yes, if you have the right transitions, and if you rework it to you know be drums, guitar, bass, and you know geologist. <laughs> His and, do you and think that, Do you think in the future they're gonna do like? whatever their their new setup is going into the next era of animal collective do you think they're gonna do like songs from this era in a different setup like can you imagine like bringing out defeat with like a completely different setup down the line i don't know i think it just depends on yeah like literally what their physical gear setup is because painting with was very much a modular synth album and we didn't hear any mm-hmm. of those songs during the you know, year and a half that they were touring time skips and isn't it now. So I think it'd be interesting, but maybe there is just sort of that, like maybe next time around we'll hear painting with songs, but we won't hear anything from this era or, or yeah. like maybe just a few of them, like the big ones, because I think just by design, these songs were easier to play with a stripped down setup. It's like when they did who could win a rabbit on the Meriwether strawberry jam mm. tour, how it went from an acoustic song to like a drum machine song with very little like acoustic in- instrumentation. I don't even, I think they, I think literally the guitar in that song is just like a loop that they triggered on the sampler. So I think it I'm is, pretty sure it is like yeah. maybe the only acoustic part is just AV clicking the sticks on the side of the Tom drum or whatever. We don't know what the evolution of, uh, 
older songs right in new iterations will be and we also don't know what the new stuff will sound like at all which is always exciting no. with animal collective i i hope to be able to mimic the experience i had with this era where they say hey we're going on tour we're playing all new stuff or or even with the tulsa stuff we literally didn't know what it was going to be was it going to all be oldies was it going to be old and new mm-hmm. like it was a complete like mystery box and so I think it'd be really cool if next time around they did a similar thing. However, it would also be super cool if a two and a half year long pandemic didn't happen in the middle of it and uh, slow things down. And and maybe they can debut material and then within a year we can have it on a record. Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. I just I think it was also cool when they did the painting with tour because they recorded everything, put out the album and then toured as opposed to touring while working out the songs then record it then move on and maybe play like some of the older stuff so i think it's fair to say that whatever iteration or method they use to debut new stuff in you know 2026 or whatever uh we'll be looking forward to hopefully it's sooner than absolutely that. whatever these guys do uh it's always good so keep keep on going keep on going animal collective if you're listening to this podcast you know Keep on doing what you do. Trust your trust your your gut, trust your soul, and uh, don't listen to those stupid, stinky fans that think they know how to write songs better than you because they clearly don't. They don't. Don't worry. Greg and I will always be fans. Yeah, and I think you know. I don't think they take any offense to someone saying, "Oh, I don't like this one as much as the other," because I think they understand that everyone has their own taste. I mean, they wrote the song taste which is about that which is (laughs) don't let other people judge you for the way that you interpret things and feel because ultimately it's your own perspective and they can't take that away from you art is subjective yes and if you had to rate this album out of 10 what would you give it i don't really normally do that it's like a movie thing for me with music i don't really quantify it but if you had to i mean i'd give it uh i'd give it a nine a nine out of ten, I'd say. Yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of replayability with this. I think maybe for your casual listener, they they might find it a little challenging because the songs are very long. But I think as an Animal Collective fan, like I think it's hard to deny the quality of the music. Yes, you know the quality of the music is is top tier. The quality of the production is top tier. So it's like for an Animal Collective fan such as myself, I I, I can listen to this album like on repeat and just keep finding new stuff and find new stuff to latch on to. And I think that these songs are just like, you know, sequencing aside, I think that these songs are like some of the best material that they've ever come up with collectively. And, you know, I think you can really tell that it's a collective effort where say, you know, like you, know, you listen to centipede hurts sometimes you're like, Oh yeah, yeah. That's, that's like an AV, AV terror song. Or oh, even more like painting with where it's like very explicit who wrote which song. You know? Yes, exactly. So it's like this one, it is a, a collective effort, truly, and everyone is just just firing on all cylinders. Also, we forgot to mention that this was recorded on analog, like tape. Yes. Like they didn't yes. use any digital plugins or workstations. It was all done analog in studio, which yeah. it just makes it sound even more warm and just more high quality. And there's like a little bit of tape hiss on it, but I'm fine with that because it immediately gets drowned out as soon as like the instruments oh, kick yeah. in, so... I think it. I think it adds to it. It's it's uh, so good. Um, I I the only thing that I wish 
is that Time Skips was recorded in this exact same way. But, yeah. you know, for, for what it is, for the remote recording and all that stuff, like, I still think Time Skips is fantastic, and I, and I rate it about just as highly as this one for different reasons. But, uh, yeah, I would give it a 9. What about, what about you, Greg? I think I would probably rate this, like, I don't know. I think maybe, like, an 8, 8.5. Just because okay. there are some songs on it that I don't like love, but I do like, and if it, it's not like mm. one of those albums where like every single song on it, like I wouldn't get rid of like like a Sgt. Pepper's or Merryweather or something like that. So right, but I think I I would rate it higher than Time Skips, almost in the same way that I would rate Avengers Endgame higher than I would rate Avengers Infinity War, which. Sorry to bring this hipster album discussion to a grinding halt <laughs> to make a Marvel comparison, but I mean, can you deny the parallels? I, I think you'd be silly to do that. So <laughs> I don't know. It's I all, think all part of the same cinematic universe, I'd say. Exactly. And I can't wait for Odd Sack 2, where we I find mean... out, you know, what they, they start introducing all the new characters and then. Everyone gets their own what was solo in movie. What was in those marshmallows that made everyone just, like, start foaming at the mouth, you know? I don't know, but I think Deacon the vampire, like, poisoned them somehow or something. I think he was responsible for that. And I think he gets punished by going out in the woods in the sun and melting and all that, so. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. So we could talk about that for another two hours. Or <laughs> we could wrap this up. Wrap this up. Yeah. Right. Great album. Everyone check it out. Great album. So good. Animal Collective forever. Everything they've done is gold. The lows are highs and the highs are just soaring. So yeah, listen to, listen to this album. And thank you to Brian, aka Geologist, for sitting down with me and talking with me about the making of the album and just whatever else because he didn't have to, but he was right here in town and it was just super convenient and I just really appreciate him for that. So thank you, Brian. We can't wait to hear your next solo album and all that stuff that you've got planned. And thank you, Josh, a.k.a. Deacon, for uh, taking the time to sit down with me. Been a long time coming, but I'm glad we finally got to do it and talk a little bit about this masterpiece of an album. It's truly an honor to um, to listen to the music, but also to hear you know the insights straight from Mr. Deacon's mouth, you know? <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. So uh, thank you listeners the most for um, you know listening to our show. We are but two humble Animal Collective fans yes. that also like various movies and music, and uh, we will continue to talk about Animal Collective on this show, but we'll also talk about other things that you know tickle our fancy, and uh, it might yes. be a little, uh, little left field sometimes. Well, we'll definitely talk less about Animal Collective just because now that we've gotten past this album release, there won't be nearly as much news to talk about for a while. But fingers crossed, maybe there but will be. It may still, you know, it may still sort of wander back into Animal Collective territory. Oh, for sure. Every now and, a, now and again. So, yeah, but um, I think we'll get to the, the albums that we're reviewing a lot quicker from now on. And we will be back to our regular <laughs> format in December. And I'm going to be selling weed all throughout the month of November. So if you're in Toronto and you want to stop by Tokyo Smoke and uh, buy some weed from me, 
That's always an option. If oh, yeah. So when he says he's selling weed, music, he means at a dispensary where he's getting paid to do it, like, and it's taxable income and all that. It's not, he's not just. I'm not like an illegal drug dealer yeah, or anything you, like that. You're not going to, like, give him an alleyway to go to and just hand him something. No, 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 a, no, a no, little no. piece I, of trash um, bag. Um, I'm legit. <laughs> okay. And I can, I can, I think, I think geologists can actually attest to that because you gave him, you gave AV some uh, pre-rolls and Geo ended up using them because uh dad geo smoked all my weed yeah because av had to keep his voice good for but geo doesn't he doesn't say a damn word he just sits there and cranks (laughs) that hurdy-gurdy like it's his uh well it is his job so okay let's wrap this up before we sit here and make another two and a half hour episode jordan thank you again (laughs) for sitting down and thank you greg fun as always yes i always uh enjoy your presence and your words and your face and thank you for listening we will see you next time thank you thanks goodbye